Good day and welcome to Select BGM, hosted by myself, John, and me, Rich. We put together this humble show for you, the listener, with the hopes that you'll come to appreciate the most underrated music of the modern entertainment age, the music of video games. Hey, it's Select BGM. We're here for you and your video game music needs. And your children, too. And your children, too. (laughs) Metal! Hey, hey, this is Select BGM, episode 64. That's right. It's the last real episode of the season. The next one's going to be a best of. Yeah, last uh, themed episode of the season, and then we're going to take a well-deserved break for a little while. Yeah, we've gone a lot of episodes in a row now, every My week. God, like five weeks. Ugh. Well, there's a lot of work. It sucks. But, you know, it's it doesn't suck that bad. No, no, it's good. We're here for you. The listener. The listener. To make you happy. No, we're just here for us. Sorry. Haha. <laughs> All right, what are we doing? We're doing I Heart My C64. Ah, 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 ah. These are songs that are <laughs> either they're Commodore 64 songs or they're things that kind of remind us of it. Or I went far more. Um, what's that whole thing they always do on It's Sunny in Philadelphia? It's literal and what's the other? Figurative. Figurative, yeah. Yeah, I went figurative with it. And I was straight C64. I don't think I've ever played. A C64 song uh, on this show, so I I picked my five favorites, and we're and, and a couple of them are repeats, but whatever, That's okay. deal with it. It's not like you're gonna remember anyway. Well, I'm gonna keep it's like anyone listens that far back. Yeah, and I'm gonna keep playing Commodore 64 songs. So I I want it to be ironic. I went and got my haircut last weekend, and you know I forgot what I was talking about. It, it was it was the whole thing. She got the she said, oh that's ironic because I was just thinking about that, and it's just like that's not yeah. irony. It's not irony. Yeah. What is, irony? What's what's like the simple definition? Is something that is against the literal intention? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Your Iron Maiden shirt it's right iron- now. It's not ironic. Oh, no, that's because I like Iron Maiden. <laughs> it is literal. It is a little literal representation of of your need to rock. Oh, it's probably Tolstoy or something. I don't know. <laughs> Tolstoy? No, no, no. Like Bruce Dickinson always had based the songs off literal. Oh, okay. Type of things. Right. Like a Dune song, and then there was the the, um, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. You know what I mean? It's just he would pick. Right. So. Yeah, he was really singing. You know, Run for the Hills was about oh, Indians. Yeah, yeah. Feathers, not dots. And then wasn't there, what was the Alexander the Great? Wasn't there an Alexander the Great oh, song yeah. that Iron Maiden did? Mm-hmm. That's okay. a good one. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I like Iron Maiden. Um, Asian Sea in 334 BC or something. I don't know what it was. I've been on the Aegean Sea. Oh, yeah? I can say that I have sailed on the Aegean Sea. Nice. Yeah, I don't... Who cares, but... He utterly beat the armies of Persia. I don't know. Awesome. Uh, speaking of metal, we'll, we'll get to this later in the show, <laughs> but but uh, Rich and I went to a badass metal concert last weekend. We'll talk about that more. That was fun. It was awesome. And, and yeah, so... <laughs> uh, no, it's great. I loved it. King Solomon helped us out. Out. <laughs> getting literal again. Um, can you get literal with fantasy? Yeah. Is that lit? Can you? Well, it's fantasy. It's but fantasy, it's... but you're literally. I I give up. <laughs> 
So yeah, I I don't have much to say. Let's, we do this thing every week. So let's do it. Um, we're starting. Oh, I'm starting off. So to start off, uh, episode 64. I heart my C64. We're gonna start with the Ocean Loader 3 theme. Uh, this was uh, first introduced in the game Slap Fight, and then went on to various uh, Ocean Software games. It was composed by Peter Clark, released in 1987. Developed. Uh, composed by Peter Clark and Ocean Software and a publisher were uh, was Ocean
yeah. Man, I remember when I was in sixth grade, these kids were telling me like there was, um, that you could get Super Mario Brothers on the Commodore. You know, we didn't get it till Christmas that year, then Nintendo, my brother got it, but it was, I wanted it all year long and I waited and my friend just was always a flake, you know, he could never get it. And then finally, it was after I got Super Mario Brothers, I got it and it was just like, this sucks. But it was a reskinning of this game. It was Guiana Sisters. And um, what you just heard was the main theme from that game. It was the Machine Supremacy version. It was originally composed by Chris Hulsbeck. The original was released in 1987, developed by Time War Productions, and published by Rainbow Arts Software GmbH. And before that, you heard the uh, loader theme from the game Flimbo's Quest. Uh, I'm going to slaughter some names here. I'm sorry. Uh, it was the, the C64 music for Flimbo's Quest was done by Johannes Beregard, Beregard, and the uh, loader that you just listened to was done by Rain Auenhand. It was released Auerhand, Auerhand, Auerhand. It was released 1991, developed by Euphoria. Uh, I think it was uh, the, the main developer was Lawrence Vanderdonk. I'm not making that up. That's a real credit. And uh, published by System 3 Software. And right before was a poppy song that came out in 2008 called I Love My C64. It's kind of freeze poppy. Um, it was on the album Ultima Ratio Regum, whatever that means. The composer was Back, B-A-K-X-I-I-I-13, I guess, and developed and published by them too. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's talk about this metal concert we went to. Oh, yeah. Last last Thursday, right as we finished the show, recording the show last Thursday, uh, Richard drops a bomb. He says, dude, Blind Guardian and Gravedigger are playing at the Complex tomorrow night. And uh, well, I forgot about it until that moment, and I'm just, I wanted to mention it. Yeah, and I said, man, we got to look this up. We got to see. And we ended up looking it up, tickets available, bottom, and we went to the show that Friday night, and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And, and dude, like, Sylvia wanted about the millennials, all the kids that were there, but... Oh, man, they were just wide-eyed and goofy, and they were friendly as hell. Yeah, great, great people at the concert. And we had seen um, Blind Guardian in their first American appearance at uh, Prague Power 3 in Atlanta. And that was like November 2002 or somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, yeah. And and, and they weren't that good. No, they were rusty. At Prague Power. Yeah, they, they played some really cool songs, you know. Some of it was okay, but... But we were also we also sat through like tons of bands. Well, it's so. three days of European power metal and American heavy metal. So yeah, there was. But it was a lot, a lot better. They're in. they're on it now and they're yeah. doing a North American tour and it's they're a lot more popular than they could have ever been in the early two thousands. Totally, People like metal again. And even uh, uh, Gravedigger was really good too. Yeah, they I really got the I crowd mean, going and it was it was a lot of fun and there was a lot. I was so sore. The next day, my, my I was headbanging and I was I was throwing the horns oh, and I was yelling scream. and screaming and ah oh, man I was hurting the next day and I was a little hungover too but oh, it, it was you, worth it. You guys are pussies. Ah, that kind of thing. Like right. where you can rock harder than that, Salt Lake City. Yep. Oh, and we did. Yeah, and, and then they had another show that was going on. It was like atmosphere and some rappers too. Right. And like, it, and the crowd was mixed. So we got in the line. It was a huge ass line. 
and there were like some young girls in front of us and we're like, wow, metal's sure changed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't. It hasn't. No, they were there for atmosphere. Yeah. But we still talked to a lot of people and it yeah, was fun. It dude. was. It was. It was a great time. If Blind Guardian and Gravedigger come to your town, uh, they're on the fall tour right now. Highly recommend you check them out if you're into metal. So, And even if you're not, it's good times. There's something uh, on this segment I'll, I'll bring up and I'll talk about right now. Um, the other day, this came to my memory and I started laughing out loud. And um, this is a, a story about pocket cheese. Um, a friend of, of mine and, and myself coined the term pocket cheese many years ago. And what this is, is you take a, a, a piece of Ameri- like an American sing- cheese single. It's got the cellophane. Mm-hmm. And you, get it, you get it out of the fridge and it's cold, so you put it in your pocket. You let it rest for a minute. And, and it gets a little warm. It gets a little room temperature, <laughs> maybe a slight chill to it. And you take it out, unwrap it, eat it. It's perfect. It's the perfect thing, and that is pocket cheese. And then, and then, uh, inevitably, when you do that, when you're drinking, what happens is that uh, your wife goes and does the laundry, and you've forgotten <laughs> about your pocket cheese. You still do it? And uh, no, oh. no, I haven't done it since <laughs> since she did the laundry. Uh, but then all of a sudden, uh, you're you're faced with why is there fucking cheese all over the goddamn clothes? And you say. I forgot about my pocket cheese. <laughs> Your what? <laughs> and, and then I have to explain to her what pocket cheese is. Uh, needless to say, I don't do pocket cheese anymore. Oh, yeah, that was just fair, centered fair while watching Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid. Those things were good. I still eat them. Like, I need a snack, man. I'm going to get a... I'm gonna get a cheese and I'm just gonna hold it in my hands until it's warm. Mmm, processed food, preservatives, yummy. You get you get some tortillas. This is a great standby food. Ugh. You get some. Oh, to, what? Uh, wait, just explain. All right. So you get some tortillas and some singles in the fridge, and then you just get a pan and you cover it and put it on low heat and let the cheese melt and you got a quesadilla. Easy. Cheesy. Cheesy. <laughs> and greasy. Yeah, it's great. That's how that's how we roll. Or Lynn Lynn Wilson burritos, one of the two. Oh, uh, those were so awful when I was a kid, and now I like them. I but you know, like I, when I was a kid, I'd take them out of the bag. Now I just open the end of the bag, microwave it, and it, they're so much better. They're steamed yes. instead yep. of yep, yep, yeah, yeah. It's like White Castle burgers. I haven't ever had one. Oh, your life will change when you buy a six pack of White Castle burgers. One minute and 10, 15 seconds, you just pull open the, the little cellophane there, throw it in. Mini burgers. Awesome. Sounds like a Saturday night at 2 in the morning kind of thing. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, I, I'd always thought McDonald's had missed the mark by not prepackaging burgers and stuff and putting them in the freezer section. I don't think they need to. They'd probably be better. I'm sure they don't need to, but I, 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 you know, they're hurting or they're they're slumping now. So. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes McDonald's. They had a big upswing. Like they had a big upswing with the uh, breakfast all day, but everyone got tired of that. I was never a fan of those anyway. I always liked the two cheeseburger meal. That was my dream. Yep. Yep. Or a quarter pounder with cheese, and then you take a double cheeseburger and you stuff it in there. You, yeah. You're a pro. I am not. Yeah. <laughs> 
You literally are sweating halfway through the burger because of all the sodium and your heart is racing. Food challenge. I miss it. I dude, since I stopped going to the mall, I just don't eat that stuff anymore. But we'll do should we roll into some more Alright, this one is this one's one of the weird stepchild songs on this episode because I was gonna Okay. This is by the band Ladytron, and I know they had a song called Commodore Rock, so I wanted I would listen to that and then I was like, okay, let's hear what else they had, and I heard something else and I'm like, oh this stuff's better. So this song is called Ace of HZ, Ace of Hearts, but it's spelled Ace of Hertz. Um, the composer's Ladytron. They, it's a band. And uh, it was released in 2011, and they, the publisher was Network, N-E-T-W-E-R-K.
Hey there, how you doing? It's been a long time. You just heard stage six from the game Creatures, composed by Steve Rowlands. It was released 1990, developed by Apex Computer Productions and published by Thalamus Limited. And I believe Steve Rowlands actually uh, wrote that game too. Oh, wow, that was a really neat looking game too. And right before was Acid Jazz, and it was just a Sid track, but this one's popular because it was sampled by the rap producer Timberland when he produced a Shakira album, and there was a whole tizzy, a bunch of, you know what I mean, a bunch of people got like, oh, it's upset, but, and we'll probably get in trouble for playing it, even though we're playing, like, you know, we'll probably get sued by Timberland, so if we do, like, I don't think Timberland <laughs> is listening to this show. <laughs> But, I don't think but so. But this is a sit track. I think it was originally done on Amiga and then remade on the C64. The composer was Blues Muse. Maybe that was the group. But the actual composer was Glenn Galifas. Or something like that. It was released in 1989. Developed and published by Blues Muse. See, we can slaughter European names, too. Yeah. Uh, before that was the game Delta or Delta Patrol. Um, the title was Delta. It was composed by one of the greats of the C64 composers, Rob Hubbard. Released 1987, developed by Stavros Fossolos, and uh, published by Electronic Arts. Nice. I like me some Rob Hubbard. Everyone. Anyone that knows anything about C64 knows Rob Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Who else? Oh, Ben Daglish. Yep. Um... God, why am I... Give me five. So we got Ron Hubbard, Ben Daglish. Chris Hulsbeck. Chris Hulsbeck. Oh, God, who's that guy that... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't expect this. Let's... I know. I know. I'm putting you on a spot. You could just look at yeah, the yeah. sheet. Well, Jaren... <laughs> Jaren Tell. But there's the other guy that did the... Um, I played a lot of his stuff. Oh, Martin Galway. Martin Galway. I would have also accepted Tim Fallon. Oh, but... <laughs> Tim Fallon, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of them, you know... Um, the thing is, is over here, we didn't really get a lot of that stuff. I would mostly boot up. They wouldn't have any graphics on them because the timing was all based on raster interrupt. So they'd and you're saying that stuff as in? Oh, well, like European stuff. Because okay. they would have, they, you know, they'd port stuff, but they'd base the music timing on raster interrupts. Like, you know, and here it's 60 frames per second and, and there was 50 or fields per second. So they'd have an interrupt where the music routine had this much time to run. And it would just call it every time they were, the monitor did a scan line. So that's how they did their timing. And that's why stuff like Rob Hubbard, where he has those slides, you know? The slides are never, like, really fast. They're always like, you know, because they don't have enough time oh, okay. to do a fast. They don't have the resolution as far as enough steps to make it Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, when we'd get a lot of these tracks over here, they'd be, like, on a crack screen or something where instead of using the... I don't know how they did it, you know. Maybe they just re... They used magic. That's what they did. I don't know how they did it. Powerful dark magic. Bloodletting. But, yeah, there was, like, Chimera. That was a song by Rob Hubbard. It's not on this episode, but I remember that one a lot because it was just on a crack throw for 10th Frame, which is a bowling game by Access Software out of Salt Lake. Oh, cool. But we mostly played the simpler games over here you know we had the great ones like summer games world games and all that or bruce lee mm -hmm. pitfall 2 ghost chaser mr Dew's castle um frogger gyrus hunchback 
Hunchback for sure. <laughs> yeah, Threshold. There were so Dino many. Dino eggs. Compared to the Atari, dude. No, for sure. The Commodore was awesome. And that's one thing they talk about in a lot of those documentaries is there wasn't a video game crash in England and Europe. Because they switched to the computers, you know, and I did too. So I didn't know there was a video games crash, you know, because I had that gap too. Or And I didn't get until like 87 or 86, somewhere, probably 87. So like, yeah, all of us just had Ataris. Yep. They were cheap, ch- cheap-ish for, for what you were getting. But I, I, I don't think, yeah, I mean, here here in America, we had that, that massive oversaturation of consoles. Mm-hmm. In the in the early to mid '80s or early '80s, and then it just completely burst the bubble, and it, nobody wanted any of it because it was all under quality, overpriced crap. So all of these game systems and their cartridges just ended up in the discount bins, and that's probably why we all grew up with Atari. Because you had your parents could buy you like five games for right ten bucks. Right. Yeah. The systems were dirt cheap. The games were dirt cheap. And the arcade never died either. Like, so we would go over to the stores, you know, and like hang out and see the games. And the big arcade scene died. Yeah, but they still had arcade machines. But are every everywhere, everywhere. Every 7-Eleven. Yeah. It was so, like small market arcade. Yeah. So you yeah. had the games. You just didn't have them at home, and probably for the better. Yeah. Pac-Man died of that fever. So that, I thought I thought that was clever. Yeah, diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> Explosive. <laughs> All right, should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we're going to start off uh, round three with our man Tim Fallen. Uh, This is stage two from the game Ghouls and Ghosts. It was released 1989, developed by Capcom and published by U.S. Gold.
that you thought you were at a sports game or watching some Shaun of the Dead because that was Zombie Nation by Kerncraft 400. It was originally from the game Lazy Jones, the sample was, and that was the original was by David Whitaker, and Kerncraft 400 obviously did the remake. I don't know if they sampled or I don't know, but it doesn't matter. The original came out in 1984. This one was done in 1999. The developer, I, it was Zombie Nation, goddammit. <laughs> and uh, before that, uh, was the title Cybern or f- title, I should say, title theme from Cybernoid 2 off the game Cybernoid 2. Uh, it was composed by Jaron Tell from Maniacs of Noise, released 1988. Uh, the developer, the concept of, of Cybernoid came from Rafael Seseco, 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 Hello, hello, hello. Uh, the programming uh, for Cybernoid 2 was done by Nicholas A. Jones. It was published by Houston Consultants because nobody makes a game like Houston Consultants. Oh, you got to get the best. All right. All right. And right before that was Proteus or Warhawk. And in an earlier episode, we played the song that influenced it. And this is, it was my favorite. It's my favorite Rob Hubbard song now. I like Thundercats. I like a lot of this. Yeah, stuff Thundercats is cool. This is, it was my favorite though, the Proteus or Proteus. I never had the game. Is Rob Hubbard released 1986. Developer was Proteus Developments. Published by Firebird Software. Firebird! I remember going to an Amiga copy party and one of the dudes' names was Firebird. Not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. I remember going to an Amiga copy party. Well, they had him here in America, too, and I I talked about it on the demo scene episode, so I don't need to go into it, but uh, back in the day, I had a Commodore 128, not a Commodore 64, and previously, I wanted an Atari ST, because I was out at the time, and I was amazed by it. You know, you could type in the alphabet and have it speak it out, and it's like, oh, that's funny. Then I got a Commodore 128, and like a spoiled brat, I didn't like it, because you'd put in the disc, and it would auto-load, and it was just this disc shell program, and that was it, right? We'd go to the toy stores and look at the games, but they were all Commodore 64. So we couldn't play them. Oh. So then my dad um, called up the 1-800 number, and they said, oh, you can boot into Commodore 64 mode by holding down the Commodore key when you turn it on. And then, um, then like, one night, like, we were just, you know, sleeping. Me and my brother, my dad worked at a factory, so he'd come home late at night. And then we heard music coming out of the computer at night, and it was Indiana Jones. Some just dumb Indiana Jones game. And my dad had a stack of like 10 discs that he got copied from this guy at work, and it was magic. That's awesome. It was fucking magic. That's awesome. And then, dude, after that, that's when I started becoming a chubby child. <laughs> I didn't, I just used that computer all the time. The day start burns me. Well, then, yeah, later on, we got a modem, you know, 300 baud mm-hmm. round modem, and. The terminal programs, the great thing about the 128 is it had 128 mode and it had 80 column display so you could do word processing, but you'd get on the BBSs and they were 80 columns, right? So they looked really good. And so I could download games. I got this thing called Lynx that would, um, they'd break discs down into four different files so you'd download them all and then you could assemble a whole game. So I got onto the Elite scene and that's where I got my um, foot in the door for the Amiga BBS's later on when we finally got an Amiga because I was on all the elite Commodore 64 boards so I got on that and then that's where I found out about copy parties and I only went to two of them you know it wasn't like I was a sister but I was 13 fucking years old right no that's cool and it was awesome it was so much fun and it's there's still some of my fondest memories ever because it's like what a cool time you know it was neat every uh 
Commodore memory, and that's great. That is really cool. That's yeah. that's an awesome uh, uh, introduction to Commodore 64, and your dad did that. Um, all of my memories of Commodore 64, Commodore 128, whatever, come from your house. Yeah. I would come over in the mornings, and me and your brother would, would walk to school together. But before we did that, uh, we would sit down and play Commodore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd come over in the evenings, and, you know, you guys were always playing Commodore. So, I, so that's how... I got acclimated to to that whole system. Since you like FireQuest. Oh, I love yeah. FireQuest. Just the music on FireQuest yeah. was great. I don't know why I didn't play that, but... Um, we can do a classical episode and then do a FireQuest. There you episode. go. Yep. Yeah, so that was that's my Commodore memories, is your house where your computer was set up in the kitchen. Well, it was a composite monitor, so we also played our NES on that monitor, so we'd even play Super Mario. I remember that, yeah, yeah. Because in the kitchen, remember the kitchen computer, or the kitchen office desk? Yes. That was a thing. That was a nook. It was a little tiny, yeah. like, inset and you look in, in the, the wall. You look at the old advertisements for the Apple, even, in the 70s, and the guy's doing accounting in his kitchen. Right. Apple. It, that's a dead thing now. Right, yeah, we don't have the, the inset Laptops, nooks. Guess. Yeah, I mean, computers are everywhere now. So, yeah, enjoy that, Instagram millennials. Well, speaking of, like, um, not millennials, but, like, computers and all that, what are, what are your top five computers? Your top five, 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 five. Top five memorable personal computers for top, you. For me, my top five, top five most memorable personal computers at number five, this is a newbie, Samsung Galaxy Tab S2. I never knew what life was like until I had a tablet, and, and I'm part of the tablet lifestyle now. Star Trek. I like it. I love it. Uh, number four is the Commodore, the Commodore 128. The yeah, one yeah, at that, your house. Yeah, the C64 mode that, was the thing, but it wasn't the brown bread box. It was the... Right. The, right. It was always in C64 mode. And the, Right, yeah. And the uh, my number three uh, is the Apple IIe because uh, that's what we played with in elementary school. That was a huge part about computers back then, too. Yeah. Like, that's where we saw the computers more so than anything or caught the bug. Was it uh, Number Crunchers? Is that what it was oh, called? Oh, Number Munchers. Number Munchers. Yeah, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Carmen San Diego later on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, number two is uh, my... My Pentium 233 megahertz with the MMX technology. That was my first big boy computer. I was 17 when I got it. was very proud of it. I did a whole lot with that computer. I probably utilized that thing and learned from that thing more than any other computer. Uh, my number one most memorable computer is the first computer that my family ever had, and that was the Intel 8286. Oh, yeah. We were, like, we didn't have an IBM, but me and my brother, we had an Amiga at that point, but we were still jealous of, like, the Spatso. Dr. Spatso. The Parrot, the mm -hmm. whatever, the Sound Blaster. The Sound Blaster was awesome. It was. It could, and I remember Wing Commander and stuff was coming out, maybe a little later. But it was, it was, those sound cards were doing stuff that you couldn't do anymore, and that's when PCs started yeah. climbing. So and the fast, whole those. Sierra library, and even I, in the old days, those were best on the yep. PC. Yeah, it was great. So take it off. What's well, yours? At five, I have the TI 994A because it was at school. 
in fourth grade I saw it and also it could it could talk it was like the TI-99 where they used that whatever that awesome speech would you like to play a game no it, they actually sampled it was like super compression it was awesome and it sounded real and that four was the Apple II plus E C all of those because they were they were huge and three the Atari 800 XL because my friend down the street had one and it could do things better than the Commodore that we you know there was a war there but we always respected each other's computers <laughs> two the Amiga 500 enough, enough said yep and it won the Commodore 128 because it was computer magic it was amazing this computer magic quite exciting it was. Well, it's quite exciting is computer magic that's right thank you <laughs> uh, yeah it was it is what it is you know and i i also should have mentioned the ibm because i remember when i got my first job my first real job at 19 where i pulled a decent paycheck i saved up for a long time and i bought a no my mom bought it and i had to pay her back it was 2,000 bucks, a Pentium 133. Damn, the Pentium 133. And yeah, like John was saying, that was you. They, the demo scene had moved on to the PC. You could play mods, you could track and Mad Tracker, or not Mad Tracker back then. It was Digitracker. Digitracker. Yeah, or Fast Tracker. Or too. yeah, or Fast Tracker. And then the emulators like Nesticle and Genesis. Yeah, that's when the emulation started. Em, emulation. emulation. Emulation started coming around. C64. Back with a 133. C64S, like the old Commodore emulator. It. And you could fit, I had a gig hard drive and like, you know, when you're throwing like old ROMs on there. Right. And you couldn't, there weren't big collections. You'd get them as they came out, as they were released. So you'd, there was a site called The Dump and they would just release like, and it was and, just amazing. And that 56.6 BOD modem you had? Oh man, it was pretty sweet on that Pentium 133. Oh yeah, I, 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 I had a 28.8. Oh, you had 28.8? Okay, I had a 14.4. Yeah, I had that on my Amiga, even the 14.4. It was awesome. I was surprised the 14.4 could even run on the 286. Yeah, no, wait, it, no, wait, no. That can't be right. That can't be right. It could, yeah. No, wait, it was. Yeah, they, they, I mean, most of us never had a 9600 baud modem because that was luxury. Right. And then all of a sudden, modems made a leap and you could get 14.4s cheap. But was I running Was I running a 14.4 on a 286? Probably. I mean, I started out 2400 baud on my Amiga. I had a Supra modem. Wow. That would, I can't remember now, but that'd be pretty impressive if I did. I had player. And even like my little brother, like um, when he would get on the BBSs, because John and my little brother were friends before I was friends with John, and they would both get on the BBSs a little later than <laughs> I did. But that's where they they did a social scene. Right. So there was like the internet back in the early '90s, and my brother would just do like ATDT, you know, two seven two five four five one enter. That's like, right. You that's just right. He'd remember the numbers, and he just. You just would learn the Hayes control set yep. for the old modems. You could have a menu do it too. And then there was the different things like Z modem, Y modem, G. Oh yeah. X yeah, modem, X yeah. modem, CRC. I but forgot about that. Once Z modem came out, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Remember web crawler? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was later. Yeah. Remember Tatooine? No, all right. All right. We've gone on long yeah. enough here. Let's wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, you've been listening to Select BGM, episode 64. I love my C64. I heart. I heart. Excuse me. I heart my C64. Cool. We will be back next week for the last episode of the season. It will be the best of episode where Rich chooses his favorite of my tracks and I choose my favorite of his tracks. For the last season. For the, the season. For, for season five. Yeah. 
Um, as always, you can uh, stream and download our, our cast from uh, www.selectbgm.org or check us out on Google Plus and Facebook. And uh, with that being said, like they say in Canada, peace out.